Hello everyone, I'm Hannah Lloyd. And I'm Charlotte Gilfillan. Welcome to our podcast, Women in Wellies. Each episode, we will be inviting a guest to share their stories, experiences and lessons of working and living in rural Scotland. We want to get to know the real women behind the wellies and share them with you, our listeners. Uh, Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Women in Wellies podcast. This week, we are joined by Caitlin Erskine, our first forester. Um, Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. So, um, Caitlin, to kick us off, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, I can. So I am forest manager for Seafield and Strathspey Estates. Um, I came to forestry from a contracting background. I started out on the saw and doing timber extraction with horses, um, which I got into. Um, I actually wanted to be a vet and... I kind of went down that. I studied equine science for a while and then decided I didn't like the course. And then I had horses and somebody asked me if I could move some timber out of a wood. And I was like, mm, maybe try it because I used to drive them. So tried that and realized there was a bit of a market for it where we were. I was, uh, I was in the border. So there was a lot of small woodlands um, and estates and just little jobs here and there. So I I needed a job, so um, I just took my first job and learnt from there. And then got my saw tickets and started doing all the cutting myself as well. Um, and that was kind of the first year. And then after that, I actually got myself, I started off with a, a little black and white cob. So it wasn't really made, made for logging at all. She was good at it, but she wasn't ideal. So I, I then went and got myself an Arden uh, draft horse. And then I trained her so she came from down she actually came from france and from the meat market she was sold for meat um and i yeah brought her up here trained her and then went to work so i had a, a lorry traveled around for four years with me me horse and my dog and uh, doing contracting around the country um which was fine i actually made decent money at it there was plenty of work but i got to a point where i was it was double or quits i wanted to i either needed to employ somebody to cut do the cutting work because i couldn't keep up with the amount of work that i had and get another horse or i i um closed business down and went and got a job in forestry and in the end it actually just came down to the fact that i had to get a mortgage so going to get a job made more sense um so I went and I took a kind of an entry level job with Forestry and Land Scotland and then worked for them over the next six and a half, nearly seven years um, in various jobs, started off as a woodland officer and then went to be a plant health officer doing inspections at the port and then forest liaison officer working on wind farms and then forest manager for the last bit of it. So. Um, and I studied, I had no qualifications in forestry, so while I was working for FLS, I studied and did an online HND, um, which took me up to May, well, April, May 2021, when I applied for this job as, as Seafield Forest Manager. So that was how I got here. A slightly roundabout way, but. I, I, I love, though, that your honesty there. Um... Caitlin you know your horse logging business you can tell like that you really enjoyed that you loved working with your horse and then actually making that really tough decision to be like this is double or quits this is like I can't I either have to employ someone and go big or I have to just decide that this isn't gonna isn't gonna be forever and that's um that's I really admire that because it's so easy you see so many small businesses across rural Scotland who are kind of plodding on at a level that's you know they're not going to be any bigger because they don't want to employ anyone but they're also you know there's only there's only so long you can kind of continue 
continue in that way can you just tell us a little bit more about what horse logging is for anyone who doesn't know <laughs> yeah um i mean it's it's the way that timber was brought out before we had machines essentially um if it wasn't rail or water it was skidded out by horses so um, and the the horse just kind of you attach the logs behind it and it drags it out is that yeah so you can skidding it out on the ground that way is it's it's fine it's not the most efficient way for the timber or for the horse because it's it kind of saps their energy but you kind of need a combination so sometimes you'll have a trailer that you'll load um so you might skid it all to one place and then the minute the shortest distance and then put it on a trailer and take it out from there so but it just depended what job it was i did a i did a good bit of work in d craig's country park um for for the well forest enterprise it was at the time but also for like Edinburgh City Council working in Dean Village. So you're working on a footpath at the bottom of a bank that you've had to climb down steps to get to. So you can't put anything else in there. Um, so yeah, just depending on what the job was. Really. Yeah. And do you, do you still use horses in your forest management at Seafield and Strathspey? I will do. I haven't got there yet, mostly because I don't have my own horse right now. So once I have one, then I'll do a bit more. There's there's very few contractors in the country, so um, I think there's maybe uh, two or three that might be able to do it. And even then, um, it's, got, it's that thing of when you've done it yourself, you don't necessarily, there's people that you would employ and people that you wouldn't. So um, I would employ myself to do it and I employed maybe two others, but they're kind of based in South Scotland, so they're not going to travel up here. Caitlin, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Seafield and Strathspey and what you're what you're doing there as forest manager? Yeah, so the estate is a, a family-owned estate. It's split between um, Highland and Grampian, so kind of two-thirds between around Granton and Aviemore area, and then the other bit up at Cullen, um, kind of between Buffy and Bamp. Um, I think it's about... 35,000 hectares in total of which up to 30% is forestry on either half of the half of the estate so um and yeah I'm forest manager so there is no forestry team it's just me and some contractors um we do a lot of standing sales for all our timber harvesting it's all done by standing sale um but we don't have an in-house team so all the hard work's done kind of um just through contractors and um a lot of local people we try and employ local people as much as we can around the estate so we've got different contractors for the Strathspey side as we do for the Cullen side so um but yeah it's a, it generally it's kind of your I don't know I don't know what your average estate is these days but there's there's farming there's um some in hand some tenanted um we've got a huge area down at Branton which is designated um triple S-A-C-S-P-A uh, part of the Cairngorms as well. Um, we do a lot for kind of wildlife management, the Cafakali project. We're heavily involved in that. And and presumably, as part of your forestry, are you doing planting as well as kind of management and harvesting, kind of whole life cycle? Yeah, so planning, planning, harvesting, restocking, um, all the forest plans, any roads. Yeah, basically anything to do with the forest management side. Um, Cullen is under a long-term forest plan. Strathspey isn't yet. That's a big project that I've got coming up to do. Caitlin, did you grow up like rurally, and is that how you got into like horse logging and working in the rural sector in the first place, or did you kind of grow up in the town, or where did you come from to end up in rural in the first place? 
Um, grew up in a town actually. Um, grew up in in Elethin and Scottish Borders. My parents are very outdoorsy, but neither of them are from the country either. They both moved to the country just um, like after my parents met, they moved to the country. Um, but always been very outdoorsy. My dad is um, he kind of works outdoors a lot of the time doing uh therapy work with um fair a range of clients but a lot of the he's they, i think they both started off in a residential school for um, kids that's been kicked out of school so it's um they do that kind of work out and about um my mom works for charity so she's kind of more town-based but they do a similar job yeah so kind of recognizing i guess you've grown up kind of recognizing like the power of power of the outdoors and what what that can offer which in turn inspired you to work more in the rural space yeah and I think at four so my parents aren't horsey at all they've never they wouldn't know one end from the other they um so at four I just decided I wanted to ride and they put it off for a year and they were like no it's not happening and then I did I persisted so um come five I started riding lessons and I did riding lessons once or twice a week from five till ten and then at 11, I managed to persuade them that I should have a horse. Um, but I did all the looking after myself from there. So I, I've always just loved the outdoors. And I've always, it would be more of a fight to get me in than it would be to get me out and about doing stuff. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I guess having a having a horse from like relatively speaking, a young age, that's given you that sense of like responsibility and kind of ownership, which I'm sure is in turn what makes you kind of a good forest manager now is that you you know you've been responsible for something from a from a really kind of young age and kind of built those skills into who you are and and how you operate today yeah definitely I think it's the work ethic of getting up to muck out five stables before school at 12 or something it's just you learn to do it and you just um graph and get stuff done so yeah no definitely it's made a big impact and my um I've got three siblings and um my sister's also worked in forestry now she didn't she actually studied graphic design but she's an arborist now so she works in tree work yeah and my, my brother's a mechanic so one's a mechanic one's a bike mechanic so all kind of practical we are seeing like more and more um women in forestry maybe they just come across across my linkedin and yours charlotte because because of doing this podcast but i definitely think i'm seeing more and more kind of women in the in the forestry space which is which is awesome yeah, I think so. There's definitely, when I was at FLS, I had two apprentices that were both women um, and they'd both come to it from, they'd studied something else and they'd both come to it um, just for the want to be outdoors, really, and doing something practical. So, um, yeah, I definitely think there's more people coming through. Curious, you've worked, obviously, in the private and the public sector. What's the kind of biggest difference between the two when it comes to the forestry side? Probably the biggest thing for me is that in the public side, you're kind of having to fit into rules that are made by people that don't necessarily work in forestry. So you're you're being told to cut on your budget, and so they cut the restocking budget, but then that then it's just illegal felling because you're clear felling and then have no money to restock. Like, but it, to them, to somebody else, it makes sense. So, whereas in the estate side um you're much i think management are much closer closely connected to the decisions on the ground um so it works and i the biggest thing that i enjoy is that i get to be involved from the planning through to the harvesting 
in the public sector, you're split into, so I was just FM, I was just planning, and I didn't get involved in anything else, which was really difficult. Um, so for me, it's the, the bit that I enjoy the most is being involved in the whole process. Um, and also the wider estate management. So um, being involved in the getting pulled in to help with a farming or like um, wildlife team, depending on what they're doing. I think it's really important to have that integration on an estate and to have teams working together and communicating and because you're all working towards the same goal, essentially. Um, and it's really good that that's obviously happening on Seafield and Strathpeyne. So moving towards kind of what inspires you to do what you do, obviously you're mad keen on the outdoors, really enjoy that aspect of it. And I'm assuming that being able to be outdoors a lot for your job is, is you know, is something that really attracts you to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think initially when I was first looking at it, obviously I'd been contracting and I had my like dog with me all the time and I was looking at different industries to go into and I was like, well, at least in forestry, I can always take my dog with me. And that was that was one of the first things. And, and I get to still be outdoors and be active. And, and now I have a lot more management stuff to do, but I kind of enjoy that as much. And if it's a nice day, I can go outside. And if it's raining, I can stay inside. So I kind of, I've got to a point now where I have the, I can enjoy all the best parts of kind of being outdoors or being in the office when I want to. Um, and I do actually enjoy the management stuff as much as I still go out cutting. Um, my partner actually works on the, he's one of the contractors on the estate. So um, I go out and do a bit of cutting in the evenings or at the weekend. Um, so what we're doing yesterday, we were doing a beach thinning yesterday. So we we're just out felling together. Um, so yeah, no, I do. I really enjoy the, the variety that you get with it really. Um, I love the flexibility of that and the fact that you almost get the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That, that is what I enjoy. And it's, you can, because my work schedule is, it's, as long as the work's done, nobody minds when it's done. So if I know that there's good weather next week, I'll just get all my inside stuff done the week before or leave it till the week after and head out and do site checks or whatever I need to do. So, yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm very biased when I say this, but, you know, up here is, I mean, it's one of the best parts of the country, undoubtedly. And do you, are you inspired by that environment around you being out in it all the time? Yeah, I think it's quite a privilege to manage the, to, to be allowed to manage the, the part of the estate that we've, you know, the part of Scotland that the estate is on. Um, and I love the change between Cullen and then you head down to Strathspey and you're in, right in the centre of the Cairngorms and the Munros are just there. Um, so now I think it's quite a privilege to work in the, the bit of land that you do um, and quite a responsibility too. Yeah and obviously forestry is playing such a huge part in estate management um, across you know across Scotland at the moment um, and being able to be part of that is that something that you you know really drives you? Yeah I think forestry as an industry has it's in some ways it's such a young industry like if you think about farming how many rotations farmers get to perfect what they're doing in forestries in the like mostly it's in its second rotation if that so there's not there's not as much scope to refine it so I think we do there's a lot of demand and there's a lot of um it's a lot kind of riding on what we do as foresters for the country in the going forward in the next hundred years. So. I guess, um, Caitlin, one of the perceptions that I think a lot of people have of um, forestry as a sector is that it's very male-dominated. How have you found that? I think there's no two ways about it. It is. Like, 99% of the time I'm going to be in a meeting with a lot of men and me. Um, 
it's never bothered me. Um, I find it much, if I was in a meeting room, I think I would find it quite daunting to be sat around the table with them. But when I'm out and about and I've got my dog and we're out in the countryside and in a place that I know, then it, I really don't mind it too much. Um, I think you have to be quite sure of yourself, which I'm still working on. I'm not 100% all the time, but um, I think sometimes it's easier with other management, but it's more difficult with contractors. Sometimes, I'm not going to say all of them, but there's sometimes there are contractors that have been working in the industry for longer than I've been alive. And their immediate assumption is that, what are you doing here? And you don't know anything. So it takes a bit of time to gain some respect from some of them. Um, others are brilliant. The contractors that know that I actually started out grafting myself, they're, you kind of get instant respect from them. But the ones that just look at you and are like, what are you doing here? Um, it takes a little bit longer to persuade them. I think that's the same, isn't it, across different bits of rural? Because I know, um, Charlotte, you probably experienced the same. The fact that you came from like a gamekeeping to then being a land agent. If people know that you've come from like grafting and being a gamekeeper and working on the ground, they probably give you a different level of respect. Do you find that, Charlotte? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. And actually, um, it's really interesting because I will go into a state sometimes and meet people, whether that's contractors or, or whoever it may be, and they automatically make assumptions about you without knowing your background. And then you see a notable change in that conversation that you're having with them when they do learn about what you've done in the past. And you're right, Caitlin, there's that there's almost that instant respect is that you know what's happening on the ground. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. If only I had that. I don't. <laughs> I think I get the other way that people assume I've come from some kind of rural background when I haven't. And uh, people think I know stuff that I don't have a clue about, which is I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. So, Caitlin, moving on to specific challenges that you faced and obviously coming into a male dominated environment. Um, there are more women coming into forestry now. But what has your experience been of fellow female professionals? Um, that I've worked with, it's been um, fine. Um, the people that I've managed, I feel that I've kind of had feedback from them that it's been, um, we've kind of worked well together. My issues have been with other uh, female managers. I've had two in the past and both um, kind of contrary to what, how you think it would be, have actually actively wanted to hold me back and not let me progress. Um, all my male manners that I've had have really been really supportive and they've um, kind of pushed me to get on and develop and do as much training as I can and get as far as I can. But yeah, the two two female managers have actively held me back by, well, for example, I was, um, it was just after I started with FLS um, and I essentially failed, not failed, but was marked down as not fully effective in my my progress review, which they, they do. And um, a change of manager. So I changed it within the same role and the same manager. And then the manager that I went to afterwards, um, kind of, I went from, I, I skipped two pay grades and jumped up just because he was actually willing to support me. So she kind of actively marked me down. And then the next manager, only a, maybe a matter of months later, and I jumped two pay grades and moved on to a different role. So it's just, and that was all, that was me going to her and saying, can I do this training course? Can I go and do this bit of development? Can I go and shadow fellow team members to learn new stuff? And it was just no, no, no. Whereas the male members of my team were allowed to do it. So it was, and, I, and actually for myself, I just got myself out of there. 
as soon as I realised it was happening, I just um, applied for a transfer and got myself out. Um, and then was able to progress as soon as that was under out and under her management, I was able to progress. So. What what sort of impact did that have on your confidence, Caitlin, at that stage? At the time, actually, it was I actually had I had time off work. Um, I think I ended up having three weeks off work, so I just had a permanent headache. I was like, just the stress of it, I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with because I and all all the people around me kind of were aware that there was an issue, but nobody was willing to act. I went to senior management and said this is what's happening and I was told I was told that it probably wasn't worth it and if I had another job then I should just leave it alone I was like right brilliant that's not very helpful so so I I did actually and I I wasn't I wasn't because I was only a kind of an entry-level position nobody was willing to actually help me out so I just moved myself to somewhere where I could progress from there um and since then once I'd moved around a bit I, I was then in a training course with another female in, who had been um, in the same team since I had moved out and she was describing, a, a, I think it was actually a mental health day and she was describing a manager that she'd had and afterwards I went up to her and I just said, I said the name of the manager and she was like, yeah, it was. So it's not just me, there's people in the, and, and I, actually I know that they're still employed with FLS just now, managing a team. One of the reasons we started this podcast in the first place was women supporting women. It's, it's a really, really key piece of what we're trying to do as part of this. And it is so, so sad that there are women out there who are not only not prepared to help other women to progress um, and to help them succeed, but ones that will hold people back. Now, I had um, a similar experience with somebody in a position of authority and it was a horrible experience and it went on for far too long and um, it really, really knocked my confidence in, in a massive way. But then you come out the other side of it and actually you think, do you know what? I never, ever, ever want to be like that person. And that made me so much more determined to help support the next generation of women coming through, to help support my colleagues in whatever I was doing, to help them succeed. Because long gone are the days where we're all in competition with each other. We need to work collaboratively with each other. There's no two ways about it. When you kind of came out the other side of that, Caitlin, were you more determined to, to succeed because of that experience? Or how did you feel about it? I think it definitely um, it made me more sure of myself because I was I was in myself I was so sure that I was achieving to the level I needed to be and was ready to move on to the next job and to be repeatedly told that no you're not it does really knock you um, so I think once I'd got out and actually I'd got that promotion um, I was a lot more sure of myself and more confident and it definitely um, made an impact when I went to be uh, the forest manager for Forestry Inland Scotland I had a team of had a squad of four plus two apprentices and I was really aware that actually I wanted to support no matter what they wanted if they wanted to jump around jobs or move up or apply for a new but as long as if they wanted to do it and they wanted to develop then I was going to make it happen because um, there's no reason to stop it as you said there's no competition so it's just everybody needs to succeed so no, exactly. It's all about working together without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Um one of the other one of the other things that I'm conscious of and um you know a very small challenge but still an incredibly important one is the provision of PPE for women in the forestry sector. This is something that blows my mind. It really does that everything is still geared towards men and that nothing fits and it's a real struggle to get it. Is that that's definitely still the case, isn't it? Oh yeah, 100%, yeah. It's just 
mind-boggling in some ways. If you if you buy the more expensive, so for me, chainsaw trousers, fan or chainsaw trousers, they do do act, they actually make chainsaw trousers small enough. Um, but you can't. That's the only brand that I can buy. Like I don't have a choice as to which brand that I buy. Same with shoes, they do boots that are I'm a size five, and there are no men's size five, so you can't get them. Um, and then more recently, um, Robins, the tick protective clothing. No UK stockists of the female clothing. So I had to go and buy mine from Europe. So you you end up paying that little bit more to get it in the country. And I, I don't know if that's since changed, but and it's just, I think it's just repeatedly. I, I walked into a, a kind of a country outdoor clothing shop to get, I just wanted to get a new shirt the other day. And um, I was like, have you got any women's shirts? No. Plenty of like an entire shelf of male shirts, but not no women's shirts. So again, then you have to go online and you have to find it. So it's just, I do wonder what will make it change. I think more women coming through in the sector, somebody's going to have to meet that need, aren't they, really? Um, if there's a lot more women coming through into forestry, then somebody's going to have to supply the right gear for them. Yeah, you would think so. But I, I don't know whether it's just because we're too good at putting up with it and being like, nah, it fits kind of, so we'll just leave it alone. And actually, if we pushed back and said, I'd really like some trousers that fit properly, it would be nice. It's going to come from the same as like there was a farmer that developed some waterproof thing that, because he didn't like what was on the market. It's going to come, isn't it, from a female forester who's like, I'm just fed up and they just developed their own range. <laughs> In your spare time, Caitlin. <laughs> I'll pass that to my sister as a graphic designer. She can do all that design work. Caitlin, we end um, every episode by asking our guests to share one piece of advice that they would give to the next generation of women in rural Scotland. Um, I guess in your case, maybe specifically forestry, but those coming into the rural sector. Yeah, I had to think about this from the, obviously you asked the question before, and I think it's it's difficult because everybody's coming in from a different angle. So there is no one piece of easy advice that would work for everyone. But for me, it was just to um to set a goal and just keep working towards it and accept that there will be setbacks and not let them um impact you too much if you if you kind of accept that they're going to happen they they're not quite as bad when they do happen you just have to find a way around it and keep moving forwards um so yeah for me it was just really important to set a goal and, and stick to it and uh, do the graph to actually get there just keep working at it so yeah that's what i would say that's that's awesome. Um, Caitlin, and I think your story that you've shared with us today demonstrates that kind of setting of the goal and, and working really, really hard to, to achieve it. So thank you so much for sharing that so honestly with us today. Yeah, and I think as well, just, you know, using other people's doubt to get you fired up. I think, you know, that sometimes that's one of the biggest motivators. It really is. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. And the more that they do doubt you, the more, I guess, each time you get to prove them wrong, it just adds a little bit of extra fuel and you just keep going. So. so Caitlin, thanks so much for joining us today to share your stories, experiences and lessons. Thank you very much for um, the opportunity. Um, if you would like to connect with Caitlin on social media, you will find all her details in the show notes below. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Instagram at Women and Wellies Podcast to stay up to date with all the latest news. And you can email us with any questions on womeninwelliespodcast at gmail.com and we'd love it if you could leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time.